Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Next Best Adaptation, the Patreon-exclusive spinoff of Next Best Picture, where we look at adapted screenplay contenders throughout the year and analyze them based on their potential for Oscar successes, both as a source material on their own and how a film might be based on them. So I have with us, returning from two previous Next Best Adaptation episodes, Nicole Ackman. Hi, everyone. You know him from Next Best Theater. We have Dance and Dan on film. <laughs> Hello, everybody. And finally, joining us for the first time on a Next Best Adaptation or Next Best Theater episode, we have Katie Schaefer. Hey, hey, guys. All right, so we are going to be reviewing the source material for Beautiful Boy, which is actually based on two different books, Beautiful Boy, A Father's Journey Through a Son's Addiction, and also Tweak, Growing Up on Methamphetamine by David Sheff and Nick Sheff, respectively. Beautiful Boy is coming out later this year, showing at some of the festivals, and stars Timothy Chalamet, Steve Carell, and Amy Ryan. Um, it is directed by Felix Von... Can anyone pronounce his name for me? No. He's the guy who did Broken Circle Breakdown a few years ago. Felix Von Groningen. That's how it is pronounced, Groningen. Felix Groningen. Von Groningen. Okay. Uh, it is I, is... I believe his English language debut, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes. I saw that. And it's also... It's written by both him and Luke Davies, who adapted Lion into a Best Picture nominee just two years ago. But before we even talk about its film prospects, I want everybody to kind of go around and start giving some initial thoughts on the book on its own merits. Who would like to go first? I will... In the absence of anyone else, it was interesting to me because I've ne I'm not really a big memoir reader, and it took me a while to get into the book because I had to get over that memoir hump of like, there's something inherently narcissistic about writing a memoir, <laughs> <laughs> and I it took me a while to get over that, especially the forward, which is very much this was a very important thing and this book is very important but i what i appreciated about it is that it's not just his story it's not just his son's story it's really about addiction and the drugs that nick was on most notably methamphetamines and about treatment and rehab and all these things like it is as much about those things as it is about the actual story of what happened to David chef and his family. And I was not exactly prepared for that and thought it was really, really interesting. What about you, Nicole? All right. Well, because I'm that person, I will say I read both beautiful boy and tweak 
and had very different reactions to them. I do think, you know, for anyone listening who's thinking about reading one of them, I would recommend reading them together because I think that you get a fuller picture, if that makes sense, of the situation because there are things in the two books that contradict each other, which I thought was interesting. But I had a very hard time reading it, not because of the memoir thing, because I do read a lot of memoirs, but because it was actually a quite difficult read for me, both books actually, in that I found it hard to like read about the actual addiction part and especially Tweak is quite graphic in parts. Um, but even Beautiful Boy, there are, there are parts that I emotionally found quite difficult. Mm. Um, especially things involving Nick's younger siblings mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But I really appreciated, kind of like Dan was saying, you can tell that David Schaff is a journalist by trade. He put a lot of research into the book and he shares a lot of statistics and you know quotes from different uh, psychiatrists and doctors and other people who have dealt with this. So I feel like... As much as I would never say I enjoyed reading it, I feel that I learned a lot. Well, his raw prose, it's not just his research. I thought he, he is obviously a very good writer. Like, mm-hmm. I compare this to the other boy-titled source material we read this year, which is Boy Erased. And in that case, I felt like the prose was trying a little bit too hard to be flowery and showy. This was extremely eloquently written, but done in such a way that felt natural, I would say. I would definitely agree with that. I feel like it's a very well-written book. And at times it did feel almost like you were writing, you were reading a an extended version of like a really well-done magazine article. Well, because that's essentially what the book is, right? It's an ex, you know an extended version of the original article that he wrote about Nick's addiction. And it, it definitely, I would agree, Dan, it definitely feels like that. Like you can tell that this guy comes from a journalism background and not necessarily a creative writing background. Right. And I think maybe that was something that frustrated me about the book is that I know he wanted to chart as much of his experience with Nick as possible up to the point he wrote the book. But Mm. I will, and I don't know what you necessarily could have cut out, but it did, to me at least, come to feel a little bit repetitive. And I'm sure that's how his life as a whole often felt with the cycle of my son is relapsing, he's doing better again, my son is relapsing. And I think that's kind of the point, but from a reader's perspective, did anyone else feel similarly where it just, I found it losing me a little bit? There was definitely a point about halfway through the book when Nick is doing well again and, you know, he's doing great and he's in a rehab and an outpatient and is getting a job and doing all this stuff. And I'm reading it and I'm like, you know, don't believe it. Don't believe it for a second. Do you really think that this is the end of this story? But it was, I felt like it was written in a way that that really did make me feel like I was going on this journey with him more so than I was annoyed by the fact that uh, it's this circle again. Do I really have to read all these same things over and over? And it didn't feel too 
um, self-pitying when he goes, like when he again goes, Oh, it's all my fault. What have I done to my poor son? And I've screwed him up irrevocably. And, but no, it's not my fault. Yes, it is my fault. No, it's not my fault. Yes, it is my fault. Um, it, it felt organic, I guess, in a way. Or maybe there, that's some of his, you know, the journalistic background that makes it come across as more like a documentarian than the more sort of flowery, um, self-righteous. Or that's not the right word, but more self-involved stuff, I guess. I had different feelings about like I I also felt really complicated about this book and partially because when I was in high school, I've known a lot of addicts, including addicts of crystal meth. So this story is not new to me. I've Mm. seen it like I personally have never been that way, but I've lost friends to it. And so I've I've seen this cycle. So none of it was new to me, like all of the ups and downs of dealing with addiction and being a person who's on the outside of that trying to help someone all of that was very familiar what's what he goes through but the and i liked how he wrote it i liked it generally but it did feel periodically i was like okay dude we don't care about your garden anymore let's get back to your story like there was a lot of amazing prose but he needed an editor to go through this probably at least once or twice more to cut it down to be a more direct story that had a a more pointed uh end to it Mm. it felt a little meandering at points including the repetition that you're talking about dan yeah i will say it took me forever to read this book yeah i volunteer at a museum every saturday and i always bring something with me read and my friends there were making fun of me because they were like oh my god are you still reading that book and i was like yep back with the meth book again like trying to hide the cover from the museum visitors (laughs) no um (laughs) i had a secret because i listened to this at work on audiobook because i'm a huge audible fan (laughs) so but i i feel you my everybody else would have looked at me the same way. It took me a while to get through this one. Yeah, because, and I think part of it was the repetition, but I also think part of it was that it is quite a difficult subject matter. So, like, if you're already in a down mood, I wouldn't want to pick up this book. Like, no, it, it takes a certain amount of brain power to engage with it, I would say, particularly because of the, you know, there's so much factual knowledge put into it. Um, and because there there's something a bit exhausting about it, honestly. And there's definitely, I mean, some of the passages, um, you know, his, his ability to come into a journalist, it means we get a lot of really just gruesome research. I think for me, the parts that were most difficult to read were where he went on a chemical level about what it is like to be on meth and what it does to your mm. brain. I'm reading about like, receptors in your brain decaying and not necessarily ever coming back and I found myself shifting because things like that really freak me out and you know the the rawness with which he speaks about how the disease impacts you I also you know I I have to give credit for him I'm sure there's a lot of people who when telling the story would have liked to have left certain things out I mean he gets major props for admitting Yes, I smoked weed with my kid before. Mm-hmm. And yes, I had a history of drug abuse myself. Yes, there were times I really fucked up. And I, I think those two elements, he def- I mean, I think reading some of those aspects definitely made for it to be a harder read, but they are definitely what stuck with me the most. The unflinching look at 
his own failings and about the truth of what this drug is. I, I think for me, the hardest part of it was the beginning. Um, he, he spends a lot of time detailing what Nick was like as a kid before all this happened. And I'm like, I don't care. Yep. It's a hundred pages yep. almost, isn't it? Every, yeah. Yep. It's yeah. A third and, like every parent thinks that their child is amazing. You could have done this in like maybe 20 pages at most. Right. It's just, it doesn't need that much detail. Yeah. It becomes to the point where you're like, I don't care how great this kid was. Yeah. Let's move along. <laughs> I have a very different perspective on that. I actually really enjoyed that section. I think it's partially because I read Tweak first. And Tweak dives right into, like, Nick relapsing. Mm. And I, I was literally three-fourths of the way through the book before I could give a shit about this kid. So when does the when does Tweak start? Tweak starts up, um, I'm trying to think where it is in Beautiful Boy. It's where he's relapsed after having gotten that job and been in the outpatient program and all of that. Oh, and like, now he's making good progress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like right before he disappears and his dad thinks he went off to Montana, right? Yes. He gave his phone away that period. Yeah, exactly. And so I felt like Tweak does the opposite, where you get no background at all, and you never know what Nick is like before being on meth. And mm-hmm. I found that very hard to find, like, to find it within myself to care. Um, whereas with Beautiful Boy, then coming like from Tweak into it, I was like, oh, okay, I get this a bit more. Nick isn't exactly the kind of kid that you would, you know, stereotypically expect to end up like this. You know, he seems like he's promising. Um, so in Tweak, he doesn't go into what he was like before meth at all? I mean, he does a bit, but it's told almost kind of stream of conscious. Okay. That doesn't surprise me. Addicts don't usually talk about themselves like that. That's not something that they cover. They're really into covering, like, these are the bad things that I've done and these are the mm. lowest places that I've been. I mean, that is that is a big part of AA and recovery is talking about the negative things that you've done so that you can get over them. Exactly. Which And it makes sense. I just think that, like, for any readers who are thinking about – or for, for, wow, for any listeners who are thinking about reading them, I would say read Beautiful Boy and then Tweak because I think that Beautiful Boy takes a lot of time making sure that, like, you have some sort of invested interest in Nick before you see him go into the drugs. I mean, he sounds like he was basically the perfect kid before he started meth. I mean, it's, I'm sure his dad is puffing him up a little bit, but he sounds absolutely incredible. So (laughs) I think that is the only reason because I, throughout the course of this book, I found myself getting so annoyed, you know, and I'd keep telling myself it's a disease, you know, it's, it's, a, once you come out and you realize what a shitty life you're coming back into, it'd be easy to relapse and it's incredibly chemically addictive. But there's so many times that just over and over again, you'd like, here, he's doing well. And then, oh, he just relapsed and broke into his parents' house and stole their stuff. And I'm just like, God damn it. You just want to, like, strangle him. Which is, so I think, irritating. exactly how David Schoffer's feeling. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think, and it was crazy to me because I was like, well, if, yeah, that's what he's going to do. Why are yeah. you surprised by this, bro? Like, he is a meth addict. Meth is like, when you're into it, you are into it. And, like, everything he describes in it is so incredibly accurate, even for people who are living on, like, the outskirts of that experience. That it's, it just, for me reading it, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, now he's, do- oh, he's in this step now. Oh, now he's doing this to his parents. Oh, that's so great. You know, it was, it was a really, uh, 
it was a revealing read for me to read how the parents were reacting. And that was what I took away from it was how much self-blame there is going on in that. How much how much the guy self-flagellates him over, you know, the divorce, the divorce and his own inappropriate behavior, if you want to call it that, for smoking a joint with a 17-year-old in California, like, it, it becomes this really eye-opening look into David Chef, more so even than his son, how parents deal with this. And I think I had a, a very different reaction just in that I knew nothing about meth going into this. Like, I couldn't even probably have told you how meth was used. You never watched Breaking Bad? No. I never <laughs> smoked a cigarette. Like, I've never seen Breaking Bad either, and it's for the opposite reason. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I knew nothing. So going into it, I felt like I was almost like this blank slate, and I learned so much, and I feel like I do actually have a better understanding. Um, And I feel like I'm more sympathetic to, like, the plight of addiction now because... I think that from the outside, it's easy sometimes to not realize how difficult it is and how, like, once you are in it, you are chemically set up to, you know, have so much difficulty recovering, I guess. But I I just feel like I've gained such a different perspective on addiction and drug use and a lot of things like that after reading this book. Yeah, I I actually think that the more journalistic parts of it where he goes out and interviews doctors and scientists and psychologists about addiction was sort of almost more fascinating than the the rest of it because I, I and I knew some stuff about meth and about addiction in general so some of it was repeating stuff I already know but a lot of it was like it was interesting to see like what or what was current, you know, scientific thought about the drug and stuff, because so many times we, I, I'm not like in any sort of entertainment, be it in books or TV or movies or stage plays, it's so focused on the experience of being an addict or being related to an addict and not about what is actually going on (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and why it's so difficult and why these things happen and i thought that was really really just fascinating to me i I, of course there were parts when i wished that he didn't get quite so involved because i'm just reading it and knowing i'm just reading it knowing that we're doing this and i'm thinking well they're not really going to you know adapt this part for the movie so can we just get back to the story please (laughs) yeah (laughs) nobody's gonna we're not gonna put up uh you know powerpoint slides on the screen to talk about the the issues of how addiction works and the chemicals and i I mean i do enjoy that i liked how detailed he got with it but i was surprised at how uneven his journalistic expertise or how uneven his journalistic applications were because when it came to the meth and all of that he was super on point he went to the most recent doctors and all of that but when it came to his own personal issues where it was dealing with like his fears about the divorce causing issues to his child and all of that like the research that the only research he mentions is something from the 1960s that has long since been debunked like we're talking 20 30 years ago debunked that Divorce is a 
significant issue for children of divorced parents. That like that is something that sets children on the road for damage in their life. That's a long ago has been put to bed. But the person like that's all he quotes from it. And so it was really weird to me because I was like, well, how do you get so much info about this? And then I realized I was like, oh, well, this supports your ability to blame yourself for it and like give it a reason. What I thought was interesting about that was that that there was like very little actual research that he did on that stuff, but he, there was this part in the book where he like details that he asked like all these people like what what would you do if it was your kid? Right? And I'm like that he really did. That's yeah. fine. That's fine to like if you're talking to one of the psychiatrists or you know psychologists and stuff like that but asking like you know chemists <laughs> and yeah, sort of your scientists and, and doctors about it like that's not really i mean okay <laughs> if only he'd had twitter polls <laughs> right? <laughs> right and it's totally understandable yeah like, it, it, you're looking for any solution and any hope for it yeah but at the same time it's like you didn't need to include that part in the book right <laughs> you just kept that part to yourself yeah so, uh, Nicole, I'm a little curious since I believe of the four of us, you're the only one who also read Tweak, correct? Yeah. Hello, everyone. Sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of the full episode for our review of the book Beautiful Boy. You can get the full episode on our Patreon, where if you subscribe for $1 a month, you get this and some other exclusive podcast content. Be sure to subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. We thank you so much for your support, and as always, we shall see you all next time. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.